The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back, boys and girls, to Brutal Nation. The podcast series is dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, the fantabulous... Oh, she gave me jazz hands, too, while she's yawning. That's great. Miss Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tam Tam. Hi, everybody. I'm cold today. Oh, uh, you want one of my jackets? I got my tour jacket behind me. You gonna let me wear it? I will. You can't steal that son of a bitch. <laughs> okay, I'll just wear it. I'm. I know it's usually like because I mean I brought my hoodie, but that gets too hot. So if I have something I can put on and off. Awesome. Thank you. You're so nice. I try. I try. So today I'm gonna do something a little bit slightly different, but not super different. I'm gonna feature two European killers, both both very different, but both worth honorable mention. Both with an honorable mention. That is correct. We feature serial killers from around the world. Most of the time, we can get a lot of info on them, or at least enough for an episode. There are some, however, that do not have a ton of info. Right. That doesn't change the fact that their vicious crimes happened as they lived out their sickest desires, unleashing them upon their victims. I present to you my two horrible killers. Two, 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 two. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Here's my prologue. And I actually put prologue. Then while you're using them big SAT words. You use name $5 words, Scott. That's not even a real word. Quit making things up. <laughs> Which I've heard before. I'm sure you have. So do you have a trigger? That one thing that can drive you over the edge? How far over the edge would you go? With you. I have a trigger and you know what it is. <laughs> Talking about your sexy mom. You're just trying to see how far you can push me. <laughs> uh, I figure I'll push you far enough when your mom does get that cat woman outfit nope. on. And she looks at me and goes, wow, big it's daddy. Too small. <laughs> Come and pet the kitty. Okay, we're done. <laughs> you are so bad. So my number one is Peter Kovacs, a.k.a. the monster of Martfu Hungry. Ooh. That's oh, this is interesting. You know, and the weird thing is, is for this week, you and I really didn't throw our our names at each. You know what I mean? We didn't talk to each other about what we were doing because well, you were sick last so week. So fucking and, busy. When yeah, I was sick and so and, it's really weird that you're choosing him because of who I'm featuring on Friday. But yeah, tabulous. If you think it's the cannibal, that's not him. No, he's further down on my list. So Peter was born January 8th of 1934 in Sloznik region of Hungary. In Sloznik region of Hungary. <laughs> that was the now, best that was do. not Scottish. No, it wasn't. I was going for something way different, but apparently the Dude, Scotsman... I don't know what that came out. You're tr- you want to go for like a Transylvanian accent when you talk about Hungary? One, one serial killer. Oh, 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 okay. oh. <laughs> I just ruined it. So he was employed as a truck driver. He knew the surrounding towns as well as the uninhabited parts that surrounded the towns of which he was employed. The town of Martfu, all in all, uh, around the town of Martfu is what okay. I was saying. Yeah, gotcha. Because I skipped ahead of myself. Skipped ahead of yourself, huh? So anyway, all in all, Peter was considered a pretty normal dude. 
He built a home for himself as his, and as well as his family. He stayed employed and was well regarded by his employer. Thinking okay. that, yeah, man, dude does a killer job. That was until he went to see a movie at a local cinema, July 22nd of 1957. It was a movie from Argentina. In a few scenes, it showed a man who was abusing a woman. And this excited Peter, not only sexually, but mentally as well. This would be the trigger that would lead Peter to a dark path of which he would enjoy following. Hmm. He was so aroused after he finished watching this movie that he went to Siza Kipo Shoe Factory, if I'm pronouncing it right. If I fucked it up, I'm sorry. And he waited outside the gates to select his first victim. This is after just watching a movie. Yeah. I know. It's, that's why I'm featuring him, because his, his thing is really bizarre, too. Yeah. As far as how he started, you know, and what triggered him. That's why I had that trigger thing as a prologue. That's when he saw the girl that he wanted. The girl would, be, would fill his lust for violence. Peter followed the girl on his bicycle down an uh, unlit dirt road. He had a piece of iron that he used to strike her in the back of the head from his bike. Wow. He then raped her and suffocated her and disposed of her body in a drainage ditch. Ugh. He then went home like nothing ever happened. Hung out with his family type of a thing. Like, hey, honey, I'm home. Because he was seen married. That. Yeah. The next day, uh, her fellow co-workers found her body in that drainage ditch and they called the cops who launched an investigation. The police were told that she had a friendly relationship with a co-worker named Janos Kerjak? K-I-R-J-A-K? Can we agree on Kerjak? No, his last name wasn't Mihoff. No, spell it again. K-I-R-J-A-K. Kerjak? Yeah, I'll agree with it. Okay, cool. Kierjack had an alibi because he was home with his mother, but his alibi couldn't be proven. The Supreme Court of Hungary sentenced young Janos Kierjack to death. Later on, the court would be petitioned, and they would rethink their sentence of the death penalty and charge it to life in prison at Sersgaard State Prison. Meanwhile, our real killer was still out there, wanting and needing Another kill. You like how ominous and quiet that I'm saying all this? Yeah, we're trying to be quiet. When I realized something as soon as Jake complained that I was being loud, I moved the mic to this position and I could talk like this. I'm still getting great response off the uh, for the the imager that shows our wavelengths. So Peter didn't kill for a while. It was years before his need to kill got the better of him. He got married and even built a house, as I had said, for his family so that they could raise a family between him and his wife. He wanted him to have two kids. Um, all the while, his bloodlust would be growing and festering inside of him. So it's not like it was something he was keeping down. It just wasn't, you know, predominant. He, right. And he found something else to occupy his time, okay, in my you. opinion. You know, and yeah. he said, hey, I'm married now. I'm, I built our house and we're going to yeah. have, have some kids. And, and he you know, was thinking maybe it was a one-off. But, you know, you got to figure that's inside of him. And now he's yeah. wanting, needing, and desiring another victim. It wouldn't be until November 13th of 1963 
when he would once again attack another victim. Armed with a hammer, he attacked a young lady near the settlement of Homok. After striking her with a hammer, he tore off her clothes. Luck was on this young lady's side, though, because there were, for some unknown reason, he wasn't able to complete his ritual of killing. Mm-hmm. He fled, leaving her on the side of the road where she was found badly injured but still alive. She was saved by emergency paramedics. Wow. I can only imagine what this young lady went through. There she is, alone and walking, when she's attacked and brutalized. Yeah, out of nowhere. Out of fucking nowhere. You know, I know that when I'm walking by myself, I got, you know, I got my internal dialogue going on. Oh, me too. You know, um, I'm either talking to the, you know, the voices that I use on, on air because I do have conversations with them just because it's entertaining. Um, and I, you know, come up with different things just to have you shake your head and go, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Um, or I'm sorting shit out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things that are going through my head and just sorting everything out and, and what have not. I'll close the door here in a bit. No, you're fine. Okay. Don't want you freezing this. No, it's, it's not that. I don't know what it is. Normally I'm well, fine. I'm a little chilly myself. On May 4th of 1964, yet another girl was found dead. This time in the... Nagrev, Nagrevev River, N-A-G-Y-R-E-V River. They estimated that she had uh, been in, in the river. I put Rover. Let's change that because Rover comes is a dog's name. In the river for a month with a high level of decomposition. They could find no evidence of foul play, though. Well, keep in mind, a lot of decomp, right? Right. They ruled her death as a drowning. The following year, in 1965, another girl was found near the river. This time, the police could tell that she had been badly beaten. They found hair, tissue, and blood on the Koroz Bridge, K-O-R-O-Z Bridge, that matched their victim. This is the girl. This isn't the drowning one. This is the other girl. Right. It was then that the police started to see a pattern. They realized that there were several girls that had gone missing from the Tiza uh, Sipo shoe factory. Okay. And that two bodies that they had found had a lot of similarities in them. They began to question the young men in the area of, Mar- of Marfu. Peter Kovacs was one of those men, but he was quickly dismissed because eh, he was a good, upstanding family man. Of course. You know, and we, we've seen that a lot where people a go, lot. okay, we got to question him. No, dude, we know it's not you. Because look at you, man. You got a wife, got a kid, yeah. you built your own house. See, that's the preconceived notion that a your, lot of people forget. Your boss loves you. He thinks <laughs> that you're just the fucking ultimate truck driver ever. Right. Yeah, well, there you go. So, as the young ladies of the town uh, are turning up brutally murdered, there's also an innocent man in prison for Peter's first kill. Right. Can't forget about that dude, right? Yeah. On June 20th of 1967, a female corpse was found near the Koros River of Osad. O-C-S-O-D. Osad. Yeah. Osod? Osod, because it's, it's got the two little daddies above them. So the daddies. Yeah. Osod. Osod uh, by the Osod, okay. Osod, okay. The, the woman had been abused. The woman had been abused during, uh, before death. Blood and tissue was found on the boundary of the nearby 
Koros Bridge. That's what the lady, last lady was, right? Which suggested that the body had been thrown off the bridge and into the river. Investigators re-examined the possibility of a connection between the young female corpse found in the nearby corpses that were found in the nearby rivers and the murder of a local woman. Because of the amount of damage to, uh, to the victim's skull, the, uh, the identity of the person who murdered the woman, the identity of the person who murdered the woman, yeah, okay, and, and who disposed of the corpses near the rivers and bridges was a match. Okay. Okay, so they, you know, it's the same M.O. Right. Operandi. Yeah. The brutality and everything, yeah. Right. Got it. Authorities found small pieces of glass under the victim's nails. I think we feed into that a little bit later. Kovacs, who was found to be missing the day before the bodies were discovered, used the work truck for personal reasons, which gave him the opportunity to commit the murders. Kovacs' wife confirmed that her husband's alibi confirmed her husband's alibi, but the investigators didn't quite believe her and continued their investigation. While examining the corporate truck driven by Kovacs, they found glass shards. See how that works back in? Uh, on the driver's seat from Kovacs' accident, catching, uh, he accidentally caught uh, a motorcycle uh, on a clo- his motorcycle on a closing chain of the shoe factory. So he's riding his motorcycle, caught it, busted it up, got some glass okay, on got it, it, got, got it. his work truck, and there you go. Now I understand. Anyway, um, Accidentally, breaking the trucks. Oh, he caught a motorcycle. Sorry, he hit a motorcycle is what he did. I'm reading this further because I can't remember what I wrote. On his windshield on June 19th. So he broke the, the truck's windshield. Oh, okay. That's how Got it. Okay. The same fragments were also found on his clothing. Well, duh. You know, broke a windshield sitting right there. Yeah. Gonna happen. Investigators' efforts to find the witnesses were also successful. And more eyewitnesses testified seeing Kovacs, his brother-in-law, and the victim at a pub. Okay. Kovacs was arrested on August 11th of 1967 after his brother-in-law had been summonsed. The man confessed that they had sex with the victim and left the woman with Kovacs. Yeah, they is in plural. Okay, just saying. A little threesome action. Yeah, um, I kind of got that. And he, uh, anyway, Kovacs was driving her home. That's what he thought. Kovacs initially desi- uh, denied involvement, but two days later admitted to m- murdering the woman. By the end of August, Kovacs admitted to killing several women around the Tiza, uh, around Tiza. That's that shoe factory. By February 1968, the prosecutors learned that he had murdered the girl near Tiza, Sipo, uh, Shoe Factory, and not Kerjack. Okay. Or Kerjack, or whatever. Anyway. Kovacs was also questioned about another murder, but he couldn't, but he couldn't be charged for it. And we don't know. What, anyway. Kerjack was released 11, after 11 years behind bars, while Kovacs, who admitted to four murders and two unsuccessful attacks, was sentenced to death by the Slozna County Court with the verdict upheld by the Supreme Court. His subsequent request for clemency was rejected by the Presidential Council, and he was hanged on December 1st of 1968. 
Wow, seven years. Seven years. I'm going to turn the heater on for you. Oh, no, I'm fine. I am getting better. You know, I'm getting better. Leave me alone. <laughs> but thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's that time of year here in the nice Pacific Northwest where we go from 80 one day to 55 the next. I was going to say, because yesterday was nice and warm. Like when it's I went nice up to band hot practice. yesterday. Yeah, I went to band practice and like the day before on Friday. It was cold as shit. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I go to leave and what happened? Holy shit. Yeah. It's nice. I don't need a jacket. And then yeah. I wake up this morning. Oh, my God. My nipples are so hard I can cut glass. It's me every morning, but okay. <laughs> Fabulous. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah. So that was only seven years. No no long, drawn-out appeals process? Hell no. I think uh, where, where he lives, being kind of like rule hungry, I think they're all, no, this asshole did it. Let's fucking give, you know, let's just make it happen. That was just the way it should be. So what do you think, nature or nurture? Um, that had to have been nature. I agree. I agree. Yeah. When, when, when your whole trigger... Is a movie. Is a fucking movie. A scene from a movie. And you're sitting there, you know, wanting to beat your meat because you're seeing this. Yeah, and then you go out and find somebody to kill them right away. Like, this is a fucking great idea. Yeah. Why didn't I think about this before? Yeah. It's just, yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah, that is totally nature. A stupid question, but do you think he would have continued had he not been caught? Oh, hell yes. Mm-hmm. Hell yes. I agree, man. I think. He yeah, and the fact that us. he got away with it too, because they convicted somebody else of his crime, just added to that. Oh, totally. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm, I'm a little saddened that Kier Jack had to spend eleven years of his I life know, huh? in prison for something that he didn't even do. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah. I'm going to get through this next one because I'm hungry as shit and I need more food than just the bacon, apparently. I know, apparently. So most of the time we feature a killer we find uh, that their victims pull, that their victim pool is pretty small as far as age range. This next monster is the exception to that rule. Oh, so his victimology was kind of widespread. So gather around, boys and girls. I'm going to give you guys this one right here. I want you to put your little bibs on for eating. Grab your knife and fork. No, don't do it. Lick your lips and get a bottle of wine. Because we're in for a tasty little meal. Nice side with a Chianti. I want you to eat this next story up with a nice Chianti and some fava beans. I'm going to throw up. (laughs) That was my goal. I know. I present to you... Joaquin Kroll, a.k.a. the Roar Cannibal. Joaquin was born the son of a miner in Hessenburg, which is Zabriz, province of Upper Silesia. It's Germany. I know. Anyway. And was the youngest of eight kids. After the end of World War II, during which his father was a prisoner of war, Kroll's family moved to north, the North Rhine-Westphalia part of Germany. Of the Germans. <laughs> yeah. The corpses of five young women were found in a small village in West Germany. Each body had been raped, stabbed, strangled, as well as mutilated. The, cut, the cuts were a bit strange, though. Parts of the victims had been removed. 
Slices of the buttocks, thighs, belly, and belly were taken. This type of cut was suggestive of a cannibal. The parts were the meatiest parts of the body and were said to be about the size of a nice juicy steak. And say pork belly? Mm. Bacon? It makes me need some A1 sauce. <laughs> oh, go, Rose, keep going. Maybe he smoked a little okay, bit. Okay, stop. It was nice and tender. <laughs> mm. It's mouth, some mouth-watering story. Scott, you don't want me to throw up on the air. Stop it. Yeah, I don't want you throwing up on the gear either. <laughs> the police talked to people in the area of the murders. One man told the police to talk to Joaquin Kroll. Kroll had been told, Kroll had told the man, uh, not the, the men, the cops, not to use the toilet in their apartment building. When the man asked Kroll what was plugging it up, Kroll simply replied, with guts. Okay. <laughs> so police searched Kroll's apartment and found sex toys and a blow-up doll and blow-up dolls. Which isn't unusual. Let's be honest here. I mean, everybody's got some form of sex toys, by and large. Yeah. And, you know, a blow-up doll's a blow-up doll. That's your dealio. See, and a lot of people automatically assume that kind of stuff is deviant behavior. And it's not. It isn't. You know? You know? Uh, you can be super prudish and go, I would never use vibrators because I'm a good girl. Bullshit. Bullshit. Fucking give me that bullshit. I was say, I can probably find a blow-up Betty in your room right now. Not anymore. She sprung a leak. I had to throw her out. <laughs> Just so, saying. police searched Kroll's apartment. And like I said, that, we already went over that. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Kroll later told the police that he would often masturbate with one hand while strangling the doll with his other hand. They also found plastic bags filled with frozen flesh. A hand was also in a saucepan simmering. Yum. And more flesh, including a sort of, a sort of viscera that was clogging the toilet. So mm, guts. Said, the guts. Crow confessed to the murders. He even began to brag about them. Crow began to confess to the murders that the police didn't even know about. Wow. He also confessed to the murders of nine other people. Eight young girls and one man. Oh. He's not picky. Apparently not. <laughs> I feel like human tonight for dinner. Ah. Okay, stop it. You're just being gross now. I, I bet you that his victims would go very well with a nice red wine, like a nice Syrah, a Cabernet Sauvignon, perhaps mm. a Merlot. Perhaps. Mm. The watering. Did I not ask for Marlowe? Kroll had been watching the young man and his girlfriend having sex in a Volkswagen. Kroll became so sexually aroused that he decided to rape the girl. Kroll lashed, <clears throat> slashed the front uh, left tire of the car. Instead of checking the tire, the young man hit the gas and took off. Well, no shit. Yeah, me too. After taking a wrong turn, because I love my spelling, give me one second. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> because it said term. I know. Which is retarded. Um, 
After taking a wrong turn, the car returned to Kroll, and Kroll began to wave his arms as if he were in distress. The young man thought that Joaquin needed help, so he stopped the car. Of course. Oh, my gosh. It's just a bad horror movie. I was going to say, this is like one of those things like, we have to go back and get Bill. There's five dead bodies around him, and he's still out there. No. Obviously, this young man really should have watched more horror movies and got the rules. Probably. look at him and go, no, fuck you. Yeah, no. Ain't stopping. Joaquin stabbed the young man in the stomach. His girlfriend hit the gas and tried to run over Kroll, but she missed him. Damn. Kroll got life in prison for his horrific crimes, by the way. And that's the end of that story. I got one more for you. You only told me you had two. I thought that I had only two, but I apparently passed this one off. This next one here, we are going to talk about one, one vampire. It better not be mine. You told me I could do this one. Okay. I thought so. Carol Cott. Yeah, I didn't have him. Yeah, I didn't think you did. Don't give me that. Thought, oh, fuck. Did I take one of yours by accident? Yeah, we were going to have, we were going to come to blows. His AKA is the Krakow Vampire. One, one Krakow Vampire. Ah, 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 ah. Carol Cott was born December 18th of 1946. <laughs> you like so that one? Bad. He lived between, he lived December 19, uh, 18th, 1946 to May 16th of 1968. He was a Polish serial killer. He was only 22. Yeah, very young when he died. But he, and he was a Polish serial killer. Yeah. Krakow. Yeah. Cott terrorized Krakow, the city of which he was born and raised in with monstrous crimes for two years before he was finally captured on July 12th of 1966. Because of the accidental choice of the victims, which included children and elderly people, as well as the horror his crimes invoked in the citizens of Krakow, Kant was remembered as a Krakow vampire and a monster. Before he was caught, Cod acted as a normal young man who passed his final exams in high school and planned to become a student at the officer's candidate school. So he wanted to become an oh, officer. okay. Let's talk about his early life brief, just for a second. For a second? Just for a second. Cod spent his whole life in Krakow. Uh, he and his eight-year-old younger sister uh, were looked after by their stay-at-home mom. According to a few sources, his father was an engineer of some sort. Cott had no problem at school. He suffered, uh, yeah, no problems at school. Okay, he suffered from nervous uh, a nervous breakdown because of failing one of his subjects in college. Though, ooh, so little yeah. perfectionism, OCD there, huh? But I understand that because, like, seriously, if I got like Me a too. if I got a C or oh, God, God, my my stomach got upset by saying C. Um, but like a, even a B, I was like, fuck, I got to take that class again. Yeah. Eventually he became a, uh, a student at the technical college of energetic. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Energy. Yeah. Well, that, but it said energetic. So that, that's the name of the college. So fuck it. Where he passed the school, uh, the school leaving examination. So his finals basically. Right. 
Apart from school, uh, the school organization, uh, he was a member of different groups and clubs. Cott thrived in his shooting section uh, in the Kravakova Club. Club. Yeah. I wish that they would put this shit in English. <laughs> I'm just saying, learn to speak English, motherfuckers. Now somebody's going to see me over that. That's racist. You're a dick. No, because no, I, I feel you. Not yet, but your mom will. So let's talk about his hobbies and interests. Yes, let's do. <laughs> Cut had a particular interest in every kind of weapon that could inflict pain and death on human beings. Wow. He was in possession of a large amount of knives, studied human anatomy, and enjoyed the taste of animal blood, as well as uh, the act of killing the animals it, himself. In addition to that, Kant was, Kant was versatile in the use of firearms and remained in close contact with his coach uh, of his shooting team. Okay. Uh, who sent a letter to the Ministry of Justice in protest against Cott's imprisonment. Say, let Cott go. He's a good boy because he can shoot really well. <laughs> That's probably why he's there. <laughs> His criminal record. In September of 1964, Carol Cott attacked for the first time. The victim was an elderly woman whom he stabbed in a church. He drove a knife from behind when she knelt down to pray. To Jesus. Fortunately, the woman did survive. Well, that's good. Yeah. So, you know, God was on her side. Praise the Lord. She obviously wasn't Catholic. The second attempt at murder, I'm not even going to look at you because you give me that look. His second attempt at murder occurred shortly after on September 23rd. When Cott spotted an elderly, elderly woman coming off of a train. He followed her and stabbed her in the back uh, when the time was right. He failed to kill this woman as well. Oh. So his first two, fucked up. Yeah. Be a better killer, Carol. Just saying. Just be a better killer. He finally managed to kill a person six days later on September 29th. Similarly, his victim was an elderly woman who he spotted near the church and followed her to Jan Street, where he stabbed her to death, driving the knife from behind and aiming for her heart. Wow. One, one dead victim. Ah, 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 ah. I can't take you nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> On February 13th of 1966, Cott stabbed to death an 11-year-old boy near Koskiewicz, K-O-S-C-I-U-S-Z-K-O. That's not even a word in yeah. any language. Christ. <laughs> anyway, whatever that word is, mound, where a sledding contest for children was taking place. In April of 1966, he, attempt, he attempted the murder of an eight-year-old girl. Cock came to the tenement of, here's another one, Sobolisco, S-O-B-I-E-S-K-I-E-G-O Street, 
That's not even a word. <laughs> too many, too many consonants. Too many vowels in there, too. No, it's way too many vowels. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's like all vowels. <laughs> and notice a girl who came downstairs to collect the letters from the mailbox. He grabbed her and inflicted eight stab wounds to the stomach, chest, and back. Wow. <clears throat> when he left, the girl managed to crawl herself upstairs to go home. Wow. Strong little girl. Yeah. And was taken to the hospitals where the doctors were able to actually save her life. Apart from that, Cott tried to kill people by poisoning. He brought some arsenic, once again, <laughs> before I even go on, to our future serial killers out there. <laughs> Knock it the fuck off. <laughs> With the goddamn arsenic. Could you? Yeah, maybe. A little bit, please. <laughs> because if we feature you on the show in the future and you're using arsenic, I'm going to tell you that you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> no doubt, yo. But he's like switching things up, too. I mean. He is, but he's still fucking using arsenic. I'm so sick well, and tired no, but I mean, of all these like, idiots go, I'm going to poison somebody. What are you going to use, strychnine? No, can't use strychnine. How about we we try to like put some battery acid in there or or uh, antifreeze? Yeah. No, I'm going to use arsenic. You know, kind of like every other yeah. boring fucking serial killer. Yeah. You're boring. Get some decon. <laughs> You're absolutely boring. Boring. Should be shot just for being that boring. Anyway, he went to a bar called the, and here's another fucked up one. I'm just going to spell it. P-R-Z-Y. It's the first word. Prizzy? Okay, let's Prezi. go with that. Blanique. B-L-O-N-I-A-C-H. Okay. Those aren't real words. They aren't. <laughs> so anyway, he ordered some beer. And took, a bo- uh, and took a bottle of vinegar off of the counter. For whatever reason. And he sat at a table. And when he was certain that nobody was looking, he inserted the arsenic into the vinegar bottle, hoping that nobody would use... Uh, that, oh, I'm sorry, that somebody would use it later on and get poisoned. Of course. Once again, Carol, you're a boring fuck. Quit using arsenic. That yeah. goes for the rest of you assholes, too. <laughs> Switch it up a little bit. There's way better poisons. He would often leave bottles of beer or soda poisoned with the arsenic in popular places, but nobody would ever drink them, which makes sense. I mean, I'm, if I, if, even if I'm at like somebody that I know's house and I see like a fucking fresh beer there, I'm going to like, hey, fuck it. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to drink your beer. Right. But I'm laughing because I have a funny story about that. But go ahead. He would. Uh, Okay, there we go. During, during the trial, the expert witnesses stated that the amount of arsenic used by Cot was enough to kill anybody who would drink one of those beverages. Wow. Trial and sentence. Cot was arrested before an exam, before he had to take a fi- one of his exams, because he was still in college. Um, but he was allowed to write the exam paper for the class in order to prove that he was of sane mind. So he couldn't plead, hey, I, insanity, I'm crazy. Oh, look at me. Woo, I'm crazy. No, you're boring because of fucking arsenic. <laughs> I'm so f- hyper-focused on that. And I remember I was when I was writing this too because it's 
God, I'm just so sick of And they used, you know, you don't even have to tell me the poison anymore. Seriously. Like, seriously, guess what they use, Scott? Let me guess. Fucking arsenic? Oh, how'd you guess that? Because all these other boring motherfuckers do it. Yeah. All these. Well, see, and that's the time. I mean, that's in the 60s. Yeah. Just like, you know, because it's like, because it's everyday household, you know, products. It's rat poison and that stuff. So people are doing that. Yeah, it's just. I'm saying be considerate to us. Yeah. Change it up. You know, we're going to have to feature you. Give us some entertainment. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Damn it. Change that shit up, boring asshole. We can't stop you from doing it. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. And I'm not a cop, you know. Anyway, um, he was charged with two murders, ten attempted murders, and four arsons. Wow. It didn't say why. I'm so fucking. A lot of expert witnesses were appointed in order to find the cause of cause of, of caught psyche, uh, psychopathic behaviors. They discovered that Cod had, had shown strange inclinations since his early childhood. During the summer, he would go to the slaughterhouse and watch the pigs being butchered. I don't see anything wrong with Yum. that. I'm, maybe that's just your future job. You don't know. Um, watching it as well as drinking the pig's blood still warm was a source of pleasure for him. Now that, eh, I don't want to say nut job. Cott soon started to kill animals himself, and he indulged in the study of, an, of anatomy books and imagining, uh, imagining wounds that he could inflict on people. After a series of psychological observations and examinations, the doctors asserted that Cott was completely sane and he could at- he attend the trial with full consequences for his actions. The verdict was declared on July 14th of 1967. Cott was declared guilty and sentenced to death, as well as he lost his citizenship rights. Hmm. Well, doesn't make any sense, because if you're going to die, you're not really a citizen anymore. You're just a dead fuck. Yeah. And boring. He's an arsenic. Did you know that in some United States, you lose your citizenship rights as soon as you're convicted, but you have to get them. If you get out, you have to earn them back. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Just thought I'd let you know. Well, his sentence was carried out on May 16th of 1968. He was put to death. Okay. When was he convicted? Now you're going to make me go back. uh, July of 1967. So not even a whole year later, he was executed. But you know what? Proud Dude, of him. I'm that very almost, proud of him. That almost makes me almost as proud as the 4.5 minute guilty verdict. Right, because they carried it out. Yeah. They carried out her death sentence fairly quick, too. Yeah, it was within a few months. Yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of proud of this country. Yeah. So I have a little notey here called Moral Grounds. When asked in an interview whether he was aware of the notion of murder being a crime and an evil deed, Cott shortly presented his moral standards. According to him, what determines moral appropriateness of people's actions is the fact that they, were, that they bring an individual satisfaction and sense of fulfillment duty. He therefore considered himself a he therefore considered himself a murderer, but not an evil person. Apart from that, he mysticized himself into being a chosen one. 
the rare person able to comprehend the act of drinking blood and something sacred and empowering. Wait a minute. So he considered himself a moral murderer. Yeah. But not he, he was a murderer, but he's just not evil. A murderer with morals. Go figure. I'm just trying to wrap my hey, brain around it. Hey, Kearney had the same thing. There was some morality behind it. No suffering, no pain. Dead. Have sex yeah, with a boom. dead body. There you go. Yeah. Boom. There it is. Anyway, I'm hungry as shit. Uh, on him. Do you think nature? Nurture. This last one? Yeah. Nature. Yeah. I, I think all of them, all three of those were nature. Oh, me too. I agree. I think all three are nature. Yeah. It's just. All three are European killers and very sick. Very. Three, three killers. Oh, 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 oh. I'm about ready to throw up. No, no, <laughs> no. To me, that was total. It was nature all the way. All, all three of them. It's just, there was nothing that you could say, okay, that was the catalyst. Right, right, right. The fact that they were born. The one that I found the most fascinating was our cannibal because the cops bust him. He's not even flinching like, oh, no, I'm getting arrested. He's like, hey, I'm making soup out of a hand. It's simmering yeah, right now. Just don't there. use the toilet. Please. Don't use the toilet. Why? Because it's got viscera and it's got it gets clogged up with guts and I'm waiting for Roto-Rooter to come. Yeah. Fish those fuckers out. Yeah. That's just. Look in my freezer. I got plenty of food going on because, you know, I've harvested it from other people. That's right. Sausage, anyone? (laughs) Self-sustaining. Oh, I thought you were going to say sausage. No. (laughs) I was going to say self-sustaining, but okay. He's got the ultimate recycling program. (sighs) (laughs) No. All right. Do you have any questions for me? I do not. All right. Remember that you can check out our website at www.twistedbluellc.com. Click on that Amazon button. Help us out a little bit. Does it cost you anything extra? Send us an email at brutalnation at twistedbluellc.com. Check out our blogs. Dun, dun, dun. Medium and Crime Beat, which is on Medium. Yeah, it's a good shake of a head. Okay, cool. I got that one right. Hub pages and vocal media. Just search at Brutal Nation and uh, you get a little bit more insight and you don't have to put up with all my bullshit. This show's copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. And we'll talk to you later. No jazz hands for you today. No jazz hands. No jazz hands. None. Bye. Bye. <laughs>